This episode is brought to you in part by B&H Publishing Group. Sam Alberry's new kids' book, God's Go-Togethers, provides a helpful foundation for explaining why God made men and women as a special pair to complement each other in marriage and beyond. Learn more at godsgotogethers.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today, I sit down with Hannah Conway. We discuss common identity struggles that teen girls face, the universal need and desire to belong, and the necessity to speak the truth of who God says we are to ourselves and every teen in our lives. This conversation was birthed out of the six-week devotional Hannah wrote for teen girls titled, In Case You Forget. It has already become a number one new release on Amazon. If you have a teen girl in your life, scroll down where you're listening and purchase a copy of In Case You Forget from my affiliate link. Every time you purchase from links in Grace Enough show notes or at graceenoughpodcast.com, I receive a small payout at no cost to you. It all goes to continue producing conversations like the one you'll hear today with Hannah. Hannah Conway, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Hey, girl, it's good to be here. (laughs) It's a long time coming, right? That's right. Long time coming. And and per the usual, I'm like, you know, telling my listeners, we should have started recording 20 minutes ago. Then you could have really heard the good stuff. You would have been like, oh, my word, kick her off right now. (laughs) No, they probably would have said, oh, look at that. A real life person having real life circumstances that threatened to take you out. And then you eventually just laugh about them, right? Yes. Yes, they they would be. Man, I'm telling you, I look at my life sometimes and I think this would be a really good Netflix series. Like, <laughs> can do <Right>. this <laughs> until it's not right. When it's really boring, I'm like, this is why people really. This isn't the real life on TV. How much do they take out? Right? Like, <laughs> you know, they they fast forward through like days, yes. days of stuff <laughs> until you get to the drama, and then you're like, if anyone's right. life was like that, that is a train wreck. Um, which there are lots of those. Yes. So, anyways. <laughs> Let's talk about Jesus. Let's do Jesus. (laughs) Right. All right. So I like to start my episodes just asking um, guests to share a little of their faith journey with us. So share a little bit about how you first came to know Christ. Uh, I love talking about this. Um, I think as I get older, reflecting back on it becomes just so much sweeter. And Mm -hmm. I'm feeling very reflective lately, (laughs) seasons of my life. And Gonna say um, she got all I those was, kids going off. All the kids leaving. <laughs> I'm gonna be 40 here in just a few weeks. I'm like <gasps> reflecting on my life. So I was adding up. I will. I mean, when I turn 40, I will have been following Jesus for 32 years. So I was wow. eight years old, and my little eight-year-old brain. I remember um, that during this time of my life, my dad was in jail, and he had had come from a really just a terrible home life and um, married mama right out of high school. And mom didn't really even know she knew he had a bad upbringing, but didn't, didn't know the extent of it. And so um, dad just made some choices uh, that landed him in jail when my brother and I were really young. And I remember being in eighth grade and feeling very much alone, feeling um, 
sad. I was a daddy's girl feeling shame. You know, it was embarrassing, um, but I loved him so much. And there's just a lot of angst within me. And I remember um, hearing that God loved me and knowing very much that I needed him, but there was something in me that I couldn't fix in my little eight-year-old way, right? That I couldn't fix. It was broken and I needed Jesus. And um, I remember asking him to be the boss of my life. And (laughs) I I know, and I still use that phrase, like instead of asking Jesus in my heart or the Lord of my, you know, life, the boss of my life and was baptized uh, not long after. And I remember going to jail to see my daddy. Uh, Mama took me to, to tell him about the decision that I had made. And uh, he cried. He was so, so happy. And, um, you know, in that those were really hard, hard years and, and continued to be hard. But that's, I mean, dad, dad changed his life. Like God got a hold mm-hmm. of my dad and he is one of the godliest men that I know. So that is where my faith journey started as this little girl who very much knew she needed Jesus and thinking to myself, gosh, you know, I saw mama struggle to pay bills. She was a stay at home mom. And then all of a sudden it's on her, right? So she's working mm-hmm. these really hard jobs and factories. I remember her hands cracking and bleeding, um, just trying to make ends meet. I remember people from church bringing us you know, food um, to help us out. But I remember just thinking, is there something wrong with me? Am I broken? Am I dirty? Am I white trash? Am I, you know, all of these, these things and going to God and learning, no, no, that I am loved and precious. And he wants a relationship with me and I wanted one with him. And so, yeah, that's my faith story. Beginning oh my of it. goodness. Like, yeah, I did not <laughs> I did not know that, but I also, I mean, it makes me kind of go in a different direction when we're going to be talking a little bit about identity and teenagers, Mm -hmm. because did you realize you were asking yourself those questions as early as eight or did that come as you got older? I definitely believe that it's as eight. And I don't even know if, I mean, when you think about those things, I don't know if I had the words to put to it. All I knew was this is what I felt. Which Mm -hmm. looking back on it, I'm like, I was asking identity questions. Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing at eight years old and looking for it. And and honestly, like I would, yes, I was a new believer at eight years old to the best of my understanding in that world. But there were also things that I was searching for. Like I was a really good writer. So I would enter these little writing contests and win little trophies. And I was a great student and I was in you know, the gifted, talented programs or whatever. So I had great grades. And so I was very high achieving, but I believe that's because I felt something in that. Like I felt like that was part of who I am. I had to overcompensate, you know, because I'm coming from this background. I've got to be better in these areas. So even that is an identity thing. And now those things, the high achieving, the, the pressure that I would put on myself to succeed, um, would follow me. And into high school, into college. And even now I have to, I have very high expectations. I am a go-getter like, and I have to just, you are, <laughs> I have to be like, why am I doing this? Is this yeah. an, am I struggling with my identity? Like, why am I doing this? So, so I was having this conversation with my daughter the other night. Sometimes when she's really struggling with something, we will do a a benediction that's, you know, I'm not what I have. I'm not what I do. I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. It's who I am and no one can take it from me. And then there's a little bit more to that. 
as a reminder, like think through those things. But then she looks at me and she says, but I feel like this thing we were talking about is a part of my identity. And so then Mm -hmm. trying to help her understand that it is because it is something you do, but it can't be what right. motivates your right and who you are. And so when you when you think about that, I don't know, how do you describe that? How do you think through that difference of absolutely these things like you are, for example, with my daughter, you are a column, like you're part of the column family. Right. You always will be. But anything could happen to your family and yeah. be taken from yeah. that. I have to think about it as like foundationally, like. What I'm yeah. noticing again, as I'm getting older, <laughs> these things change. My, my seasons change. Like I'm mm-hmm. not a mom of a toddler anymore. That's right. My husband's no longer in the army, right? Like I, I'm an army wife, but he's not active duty. And so yeah. some of these things that we ca- we think who we are, are really just, this is your season of life and this mm. will change. I'm not going to be a high school student forever. I'm not going to, you know, all these, like they're going to change, right? So, but foundationally, who I am is who God says that I am from mm-hmm. like that is and, and if everything else gets stripped away, kind of like a house, right? Like the foundation is this is who I am. And so mm-hmm. if I lose all of my writing abilities or speaking yeah. abilities, or if I lose everything today, what still is true is who God says that I am, that I am found only in him. And that's what I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right? It's like, is your foundation solid? Yeah. And that's a good point because I, and that's something that develops over Mm -hmm. time, right? So that's an interesting, because I think even as the teenagers that I work with, it really is a little bit of the building block of the foundation, you know, because it it just takes a while for them to kind of wrap their head around Mm -hmm. what it really means that yes, you're a child of God, you're loved by God, like that doesn't ever change. And so what are some of the identity struggles? I mean, you've written a devotional in case you forget, you've been a teenager, teenage girl, that is, I've been a teenage girl. Yeah. I don't have a teenage daughter yet, but you have. Ooh, um, I do. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> oh, anyways, I'm just going to go right on. Um, <laughs> what are some of those struggles that you really see that are pretty consistent? You know, they are. And I mean, I will say, I mean, obviously the technology piece adds a whole new, a whole new, I don't know, element to that struggle. Um, It's just real. So I mean, I was a teen. I was a teen girl. I worked with teenagers. I'm a former teacher. So I worked with high school for a little bit, but mostly stayed with middle schoolers. I taught them the longest. Um, and I do I have a 20 year old daughter and I have a 13 year old daughter and work in student ministry all over all that. So struggles that I see that, that remain consistent. We really do want to belong. And even as adults, yep. we, we want to belong. Like just recently I was talking with a lady at, at church. She's, she's older than I am. I mean, she's, like my mom's age, um, but she's been trying to fit in to find mm-hmm. a group at church for three years, right? Yep. Like she's just been trying to connect. And so I feel like that's a theme that we struggle with <clears throat> all throughout our life is belonging, right? Yep. Um, or I or even hear people say like, oh, I just don't want to go to student ministry tonight or youth group tonight because I just don't, I just don't fit in there. Well, what they're saying is 
I don't belong. Well, That's right. the truth is you're, if you're a believer, you do belong because you belong to the body of Christ. And so that's the truth. Amen. Now it's just finding those people to connect with. And so that's a different question, right? Like the truth is you just show up because you do belong. And so the next thing you need to pray for is God, help me to find those places to connect. Help me to find my mm-hmm. tribe within the body. So mm-hmm. I do see that that is a struggle is belonging. Um, self-image, we bombard ourselves. I'm a grown woman. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, and, and I Still, I'm like, do I, do I look okay? Right. Like I'll be like, hey, oh, it's I insane. Look okay? but like, <laughs> I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? Um, it's the craziest thing or retaking pictures before you post them. I see my daughter do this. I'm like, I know she's must, she's must've seen me do this. And I'm, I'm like, stop, <laughs> like, don't, don't do that. So I, when I do hear her say something like, um, she'll, and it's not really derogatory toward herself. Sometimes she will be, but I will, I'll replace that. I'll say actually you're fearfully and wonderfully made actually like I replaced it with that truth and I and she'll say oh she's so pretty I'm like she is lovely I'm like but so are you and let's Mm -hmm. talk about the things that are great about you and so it's just trying to acknowledge yes there are girls that are are beautiful or have perfect figures or perfect skin or or you know right we're battling frizz like my daughter struggles with frizz in her hair and she's like (laughs) my hair I'm like I I don't know baby I don't know (laughs) So I mean, self-image um, is something that I would say our, our girls struggle with, but if they, and it's going to something, something that we struggle with forever. I mean, there might be some people out there that don't. And and I, right. I want to say that's amazing, but if we don't know whose we are and what God says about us, when those thoughts come, we fall captive to them. Mm-hmm. So now when we're, when we are biblically saturated, when we know what God is saying about us and who, what we, what we know about him, right? Because the Bible is about God, right? And, mm-hmm. and we go to God's word to get God. And when we have a right viewing of God, then we have a right viewing of ourselves. And when those lies, those thoughts come, we're able to literally hold them captive and be like, that's not true. Go. And no secret sauce there. That's what that is. Yeah. So yeah, with, what girls struggle with, um, the longing, that self image, um, and known, I would say I I hear, they just don't know. You just don't know me. You don't know how I feel. You don't know. And that's true. Mm -hmm. Like I'll say you are absolutely right. I don't know exactly how you feel. I have some idea, but I'm not you, but I do know that God does. Like he sees you, he hears you, he knows you. And there's something that is incredibly comforting, like so comforting to know he gets me. Mm-hmm. And there are times in my life, I mean, like right now with my, my son is getting ready to go off to the Navy very soon. And my prayer is just father. Like I sit in my bed, I'm like, father, like you, I, I, I don't even have the words mm-hmm. to tell you what I feel right now, but I know that, you know, and so yeah. I'm going to need you to pray on my behalf because, because you I say don't know you what will. to say. That's right. Because you say you will. And, and I'm just taking God at his word and saying, I'm going to trust in the things that you say because, because I believe you. Well, and I think that's one of those things too. Like even saying the word father is a lot. I mean, when you're thinking about the underlying desire of, or or just what a father is calling that out and being like, that's basically what I need you to be for my child. Right. Like in all the best ways. (laughs) Yes. In all the best ways. That's right. I mean, in all the healthy ways, maybe it's a better term. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So 
Whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman? Serve in the workplace? Or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. But okay, so with identity, you have a unique story with one of your daughters that I think can at times pose um, even different identity issues. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. share as much as you feel like you can of that story and just maybe how that influenced um, in case you forget. So our oldest daughter, Jay, is our biological niece. She's our niece. And so it's my husband's um, sister, her biological mama. And um, her biological mama was a teen mama. She had two girls and just wasn't able to care for them. And so she was being raised by Stephen's mama. So the grandparents, so the girls were being raised by grandparents. Um, And after the death of Stephen's mom, uh, my Mm -hmm. mother-in-law back in 2016, which was unexpected, she had cancer Mm -hmm. and she went very quickly. Um, The girl's lives just got turned upside down and biological mom just struggled and she struggled with an addiction problem, um, substance abuse and drugs. And we got both girls for about six months ish. And then bio mom came back and got them. And we were really hoping things were going to be okay. And they weren't. It's so hard when it's family because it's like Mm -hmm. you love them, but there's so much hurt and it was just so hard. And so for a couple of years, so we got them in 2018. So for a couple of years, the girls just bounced around. Bio mom got mixed up with, I would, I would call it a cult. I would call it a religious mm. cult. And um, the girls got separated. And in 2020, we, May of 2020, which, you know, the world <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> That's a fun year. Um, it's like it, of, every time that someone <laughs> says 2020, I feel like we all like start twitching a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, it was. It was just, uh, my granny had passed away in April. Oh, uh, we had gosh. lost, I mean, we just, we lost 10 family members and friends that year. It was just crazy. Um, but May of 2020, we get a phone call from a family member and they were like, Hey, we have Jay. Uh, the other daughter was with a, a paternal family. Um, and we can't take care of her. Can you all take her? And we were like, how do we do this? And so that was end of May. Four weeks later, we got her the day before we left for vacation. And so we were like, welcome to the family. Get in the car. Like, here we go. She was 16. So heartbreaking when you hear, you know, you hear, I mean, I was a teacher and you hear stories of foster care. I had students in foster care. I've had students going through this. And then all of a sudden, that's my niece. And Mm. then um, the stories that came out, like they were homeless for a while. And, um, eating out of dumpsters and Mm. um, not knowing where her next meal was coming from, just watching her mom struggle with abuse, right? Uh, Drugs, 
really confused about God. She said um, she started to feel unloved, unwanted. She was a burden, right? These are the things that the enemy was telling her and it's being verified by the things that are happening in her life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we get her and we just thought, God help us be the parents that we can be to her, uh, trying to get her in school, trying to get, and they were across state lines. And so just all the red tape paperwork, it was just insane. And God was just so good in all of it. Um, great friends of ours that are lawyers that we go to church with help us navigate it. We were able to get guardianship, like emergency guardianship. And the day she turned 18, we went and she signed adoption paperwork. And, you know, some of our friends were like, well, she's 18 now. Like, what is it? And I'm like, oh, she, she needs a family. She needs a home. And we got her involved in church and youth group and um, she's thriving and she has great friends. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that she has talked to her friends about and to us is she's a family, right? Like Mm -hmm. she's a family and she's got support and she can come over for dinner and she's just thriving. And so um, when you talk about adoption or so, so there's also this hurtful side of something in my life happened where I was unwanted or whatever that looked like. Like if it was a teen mama that couldn't take care of and there's no judgment on that side, but that child is like, I was abandoned Mm -hmm. and Jay was old enough to know all of it. She was, she saw all of it. And so the trauma is real. And so there's this whole element of I'm unlovable. I'm unwanted. I'm a burden. But the truth is to like bring her into a family and say, the truth is you're wanted and we loved you and we love you and you are highly valuable and God has plans for your life. And he's going to Romans 8, 28 all over this and redeem it. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to hurt, you know, um, but it's going to be beautiful. Mm. So what I wrote, in case you forget, I dedicated the book to both of my girls, Jay and Willa. Um, but one of the parts of our identity is we're adopted. Mm-hmm. And going through that process, um, it just gives me this deeper understanding of adoption. When God says that we are adopted into his family, yes, it's like we are sealed. We are part of his family, but it's also addressing this. I know that you have felt unwanted and unloved and pushed aside and I'm removing that. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh, so good. It's yeah. so good. So good. And, and to know you know, and, and we kind of joke, you know, cause we're from Kentucky and, and Jay's family, they're from Ohio. We kind of joke, we're like, okay, so your cousin is now your sister. <laughs> <laughs> your uncle. Yeah. Your uncle is now your dad. Like how Kentucky is that? <laughs> I know it's so great. Cause I'm from Kentucky. So I'm allowed to joke about that, but all you people out there listening, don't be joking about that. You're not allowed. <laughs> They're not allowed to. Don't That's, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, only if you're from our neck of the woods do you get to joke. That's right. That's right. So it, it has just this whole process has made me see the extent God went for me. And walking through this with Jay, you know, it it hasn't been easy. Um for just on so many levels, but worth it. And so it just it's mm-hmm. just like this tangible way of being like, this is what God has done for us. This is what he's doing for us. And it's so good. And, you know, one of the things that we recently, her bio mom uh, requested to be your friend on Facebook. And so there's just all of this, just navigating all of this. And so when I was talking with Jay a little bit, 
she's like, I just basically like, I just wish none of that happened. Like, I just wish I could just move forward. Like I just wish I didn't have to deal with any of that. And I'm like, none of it is fair. Like, let's just say that it is ugly. It makes me sad. I don't know what the future holds for our part of that family. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, I know right now we've just had to draw some boundaries in order to raise and protect Jay. Like that's our priority. And I'm open to things in the future, but I don't know what it looks like. And to be Mm -hmm. honest about that. Um, But I have battled my own guilt over that, like bringing her in is the right thing to do, but it also hurts because I know there's this messy situation over here. Right. And I don't have an easy answer for that, but I did tell her, I said, you know, do not feel guilt or shame over this. And when you are ready to have a conversation with your bio mom, whatever that looks like, we're with you. Yeah. Like you go at your own pace. There's no, there's no set schedule here. And if you choose not to, that's okay too. Right. That's okay too. I've got friends who are adopted who have no desire to meet Same. their biological parents. I do too. So, and there's no hate or shame there, no. right? It's like, this is your choice. And I respect that. Well, and if we really are in a place where we believe that, particularly, I mean, as followers of Christ, that really nothing is complete until the day of Christ Jesus, like there really Mm -hmm. isn't any hurry. And I think that's one of those great reminders for us too, is it really is a journey and not everybody's Mm -hmm. looks the same when it comes to dealing with trauma, which so many identity issues stem from that, yes. not, not ones that we just naturally have because we're fallen creatures, but I mean, like that sense of when you felt unwanted, we've all right. felt that, but some people have felt that to a greater degree based on the trauma yeah. they faced. And so, you know, she may not make that decision until she's much, much older. Right. And that's okay. It like, totally it's, is. It's okay. And, but nothing about this is easy. Like I really do I want a Hallmark ending. I really do. I want this to be all cut and beautiful and we're, but right now this is what it is. And we're just sitting in it and trusting God to help us navigate. But I'm going to tell you what, watching that girl Mm. flourish. mm, It's good. It's good. It's good. She's good. She's in college. Um, living her best life. I'm like, girl, <laughs> you have fun. College you know, she's is <laughs> great. Yeah. She's just great. She's going to be a teacher. She's got, I love her friends. Like they're solid believers. They serve together. They're so goofy. Cool. Oh, it's so yeah. In the midst of all of the hard, I'm like worth it. <laughs> well, so here is something else that because you have worked with teenagers so much and I do too, what I've found with middle schoolers particularly is this, like, they, they just feel like the Bible is boring. <laughs> um, and I have not found a yeah. great way. I mean, I tell them it's not boring. And I tell them reasons why mm. it's not boring. But sometimes it's like they just, not everyone has that same passion for story. And so yeah. it's really, really hard if you don't to get excited. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's oh, so... this is an amazing story. Listen. Uh, and then they're reading... like, what is that? <laughs> and then, and then they get to parts of the old Testament. They're like, oh my gosh, this is awful. So you've written this devotional for teen girls and, and something that you obviously talk quite a, I don't want to say quite a bit about, but is this getting in the word? What are some ways that you feel have been helpful or effective 
in encouraging this age group to get in the word or how do you display that through this devotional? Because I just think yeah. it's, it's something I'm always thinking about because I, I also know. have kids this age and then I'm yeah. working with kids this age and it's like, ah, girl, I wish I had a fun, easy answer for you, but I, I will not say <laughs> there's not, there's not, um, they, they're very like, they're like tribes. Like they, they're tribal. Oh, they're they, 100% tribal. You know, they are, they, they're like these little, they flock together. They, um, and it, this exclude other out. tribes. Yes, they do. They're little, little tribes and they're little Stanley cups and it cracks Oh me my up. gosh. They, we were just I, making fun of this last night at small group. I'm like, what I'm is like, the what? deal with the food lion? Um, the, the, the little logo looks like the food the line, lion, but they're paying like however many dollars for a Stanley cup for this thing. I'm like, listen, you're going to do more chores before you make fun of the world. Well, yeah, because next year they'll be back to wanting hydro flasks or whatever. I know. I was Sorry. like, it seems like, is it like every year there's like yes. some type was like Yeti hydro flask. I don't and even then know. Stanley. Like, what is going on? Stanley. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what is happening? The kind of cup of the year. I don't know. But um, they, they are very in their little tribe. And what I've noticed is the version app in our little group, you can invite people to do oh. a study with you. And they do that. So our, our small group leaders, they'll do a study together with the girls and they're all on their little version app. Um, and they can respond and like leave messages and prayer requests. And so that okay. has been something I've seen the girls do together that gets them in the word. And as much as it pains me to say this, because I love like deep diving um, into God's word, sometimes just tablespoons, sometimes yeah. you know, like baby, baby feeding and getting it in there, you know, because God's word is going to do what God's word is going to do, whether it's a teaspoon or a gallon container, right? So I'm like, okay, if we can teaspoon them first, <laughs> then we can, we can get in there. What I, I do, I love stories. If you can tell a story that makes them laugh or that's interesting, or there's some kind of a drama, like what is going like what, and then connect it <laughs> to like what God says. They seem to like chew on that a little more. Um, I don't know. Like that's I, a good I try one. to make them laugh. Yeah. <laughs> try to make them laugh. I try to pick out the drama and the stories. Like there's a story I told, Oh my gosh. And I wrote it in the book of the Devo because my, the students that I was with, they were like, Oh, Miss Conway, you have to tell that story. And I was like, seriously, girls. And it was, I had a mean girl moment. I was in sixth grade and there was a, I was like Valentine queen or whatever. And <laughs> there was, I know. And um, all my little friends were together and I was finally with the cool crowd. This girl named Sam, who she was not cool, not popular. I would talk to her when no one was around, but um, at, she came to the dance and came up to congratulate me while I was with my cool friends. Oh, and you were mean. I know. Me. And I was mean. I was mean. And six like I made fun of her and she went away crying to the bathroom. Oh. She, in the story that I don't even get to finish in, in the Devo, because my editor was like, it's too long. You got to cut it. And I was like, no, but she ends up moving away. The end of that school year moves away. And um, I had this come to Jesus moment at camp that that year and when I go back to school she was my I was going to her to apologize and she was gone and so mm -hmm. literally I have like went everywhere on Facebook everywhere trying to find this girl and have not been able to find her so um but my teen girls were like Miss Conway we're gonna find her for you and you can apologize <laughs> and but they love that story and I was able to connect it to you know just making sure you're not being two-faced that you're you're not ashamed of the gospel no matter where you're at that you are willing to do what is right and 
that moment, I did not, but I learned a very valuable lesson, you know, <laughs> but they, See, they love I, that story. I do appreciate that because I do tend to be like, okay, that's too shallow, but that is kind of what they want. And honestly, it's what they connect with. And I don't know that I could have received anything else at that age besides that. that So here I am trying to go all deep with these girls and they're like, they love it when I share. Just share. (laughs) Because I was not a Christian (laughs) in high school. And so if I tell them not too many details, you know, I'm not going (laughs) to. Try not, scare the poor but they want to know more. Tell us more. I'm like, girls, what I'm trying to get across here is don't do what I did. That is not godly. <laughs> Basically, all of Colossians 3 that it tells you to take off. I was wearing around proudly from 15 to 19. So... <laughs> oh, Lord, praise God. Praise God he got involved. <laughs> So that's the story. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. Uh, Think about it in that way. All right. Well, let's close with this. You, um, when you think about identity and just our worth in Christ, what would you say when you were younger that you felt like you needed spoken over you the Mm. most, not at that eight-year-old age, but really more in this 13 to 17 age? Again, this is for me, and it may not be for for all mm-hmm. girls. I know that generations change, but for me, I needed to know that God had called and commissioned me. That the Great Commission was for me too. Mm. So, I had there were a few moments, and I know the question I was asking because I felt a call to ministry really early on. And and if you're a believer, you are. Everyone is called right. to ministry, right? Like your life is on mission. But I knew. Like I knew that it was like a vocational ministry. Like I knew there was something, but I, I didn't know what it was, but I didn't think that I could because no one ever said that I could, or mm. I only saw men, I only saw boys. Right. And, and one particular time I remember at our, our church, it was like a youth, a youth Sunday. And I, I was a, I written stories since I can remember. And I was like FCA president and I was like president of everything. I don't even, I was involved in all these things and I was writing and doing little devos and stuff for our FCA group. And I just remember getting ready for this, the Sunday thing for this youth Sunday and thinking about the devotion that I would, that I would bring and um, just assume that I would, cause I was just doing it in all these other areas and I was leading it in our yeah. little youth group and stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no, I couldn't because I was a girl and it, it was the first mm-hmm. time I'd ever been like hit with that. And then um, it was very much like, well, because you're female, you're called a ministry. Literally, this is what I thought was I'm going to have to be a missionary overseas or I'm going to have to be a pastor's wife. And so that's, I was like, well, I'm not probably not gonna be a pastor's wife. So I'm just need to get ready to be a missionary overseas. And that's why I went into education and the great commission was for me too. Mm. And I'm still sitting in that, like, I'm still sitting in that, like, oh, it's for me too. So I need girls to hear that, that God calls women, he calls them and, Mm. um, and go, just go. (laughs) That's right. We need more women willing to go and go. And we're not just saying go overseas, like doing the work here. (laughs) Right. It literally is. Yes, exactly. Like go. Yes, wherever that is. It might be to your neighbor. It might be to your church. Um, That's right. 
But anyways, well, Hannah, thanks so much for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you. Um, and I know that's where they can order in case you forget. Yes. Yes. So I hang out mostly on Instagram. It is my favorite place to hang out. So find me there. I love, I know it's so much fun hanging out with you there. I'm always like, what's Amber up to? <laughs> um, so hang out with me there. You can find me. It's like Hannah or Conway author or something like that. And then the book, anywhere books are sold. Amazon is my favorite place to get books. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, and some people are very opinionated. They're like, Oh, don't order from Amazon. And I'm like, but I'm going to, I know. <laughs> so, I do too. I'm going to. It's easy. Because. but That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Hannah. I appreciate you. Been great. Back at you, girl. If you have a young girl in your life who needs to know who she is in Jesus, scroll down and purchase, in case you forget, a six-week devotional about who you are in Jesus from the affiliate link in the show notes. I receive a small payout at no cost to you, and that payout helps to continue the production of Grace Enough Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.